fucking weed whackers. Have you ever whacked weeds? Yeah. I used to hate it because they would um, fly up and hit you in the shins. You know, like the little little weed tips. Weed tips? You ever whacked weeds? That seems like a different podcast. <laughs> well, I like that. It's like a Viceland documentary type thing. Indeed. Well, hey, we're here. Episode six, brother. Wow, look at that, man. We're cranking them out. We're flying. Flying high. <laughs> Flying high again. We had a lot of sing-alongs in the last episode. That was one of my favorite parts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that because of this new setup that we're doing right now, I'm going to have to uh, use a de-esser to get all of our mouth sounds out. Yeah, that stuff. Wait, is it just um, what? How does it work? It's it's basic. It's a compressor that I found a good preset that works called so de-esser it's an auto it, thing though like it just it takes out all that stuff yeah or? it does some sort of it listens to the stuff and does some stuff and wow it's an algorithm of sorts i don't know if it's an algorithm it's <laughs> it's it's certainly digital it's programmed right but i don't know maybe i don't know if it's it learns so i guess well that makes it more ai than an algorithm right if it learns yeah it gets better it knows your voice every time i don't think it actually learns but that's all it needs to actually, think about it's taking notes on what you're saying in singing like the lyrics you know it's like dragon di- dictation built in it's like mm-hmm. taking all the words down like in t2 when he teaches him you know if you want to shine him on it's hasta la vista baby you know wow good pull and then he's like hasta la vista baby and he's like yeah that's it first it. hashtag uh, arnold hunks right there there's a band in our practice space called terminator 2 what I swear to god well i don't know if they're in there but they're on a poster in our practice space and it's fully spelled out Terminator, not T2. Terminator with the number two, just like the movie. That's a pretty hilarious name because it's there. I wonder if there, there must be a Terminator one. We should look them up, man. See if they're sweet. We should look them up. I, but I, speaking of looking things up, I really have to say one of my favorite things about the podcast so far is that we don't look stuff up no. during while we're sitting here. Yeah. Yeah. We, we touched on that last time. I was like, you know, one day we'll like have a producer look stuff up or we'll, we'll start scrolling through laptops and it's like, nah, nah. Let's just see what our broken, drug-addled brains can come up with. And if we're wrong, on the spot. correct us below. You know, in the comments below. Oh, I love being corrected. Dude, speaking of being corrected, <laughs> yeah. we got corrected on the internet a bunch of times. I love it, man. I love I, it. It was, it was funny. So I woke up a couple mornings ago and uh, pulled up the old Instagram. Or I don't know. I think it was Instagram first. And saw that Electro Harmonics reposted one of our picks fucking amazing dude yeah that's so cool go go ehx social media team yeah seriously man that's actually i have to say like if i had one brand of pedals no joke like if i could just have all the brand it would be ehx for sure wow yeah bold statement Mm -hmm. i'm I'm saying it right ehx hit us up we've got a bass player looking for a full ehx board that's right that'd be really cool so yeah we we, they reposted it and uh, both on instagram and facebook uh are in hindsight really stupid picture that we posted would you call that an accidental troll i i dig it i think we might have a we might have an episode title yeah yeah, that was an accidental troll where we plugged the we thought i think it was your idea first you're like wouldn't yeah. it be really funny to plug the 
line booster the lpb1 directly into my ukulele yeah like yeah that would be funny of course not really considering the fact that that it's wired so that the plug part that we stuck into the guitar is actually the output yeah that's the amp side you know um you know what it was what got me confused was we were talking about was it ace freely who used one of those or the second second model something like that well let's just say it was right so I was thinking about him playing with it just plugged right into his guitar. Like, right. Because that would make sense. It, it almost doesn't make sense to, to have to plug it straight into an amp where it would hang and kind of get jostled and stuff. Such was a, a first model of something that this company made. I know. And, 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 really and cool. a very easy to execute mod that many people commonly did was to just re- reverse the wiring. So we should do that now. I, I kind of like leaving it original. Yeah, oh, right. there's my first rude moment of the pod. My phone went off. Will you grab my phone? I'm sorry. It's right uh, over there. Yeah. I don't want to tangle all the wires up. I'm just so popular that I'm constantly getting text messages. That's electroharmonics right now. What's up, Mike Matthews? Good yeah. texting with you. All right. Uh, so they posted it, and the, and the best part about it, of course, for me, other than the literally thousands of likes on Instagram, uh, is the fact that everyone decided to call us out on it. I love it, man. And our stupidity, which is fair enough fair game you know it was a goofy picture to begin with i and i think i i have to believe ehx was in on the joke you know they they probably they made the thing they have to realize that of course it was plugged in backwards yeah you'd think so um that's a really good question so yeah what's up ehx let's uh let's talk yeah man maybe that- we'll, maybe we can get mike on the pod oh, so i got to i mean i wouldn't say meet him i got to talk to him for maybe 30 seconds at a nam once really you know so where are they where's their uh, headquarters they're there i think it, i'm well i know it's new york i'm not sure if it's brooklyn or not i think okay. it's brooklyn okay cool one of the boroughs american made Amer- yeah, that's right well i think they do outsource some things but the company is definitely located in the u.s and he's i mean that was kind of not to not to get too far into their history because i didn't really do my research but one of the things i do remember is that mike matthews is kind of responsible for going over to russia and getting tubes made there cheaply again and mm-hmm. you know, all the electroharmonics tubes come from those russian factories right, right. Yeah, which are right. ubiquitous i mean they're mm-hmm. kind of and a lot of stuff in sound just fine so that's the first uh first corrections department addre- addressee address I, <laughs> address address not address i would be the addressee you, i'm the addresser yeah the audience is the addressee yeah um in that in that scenario i like this what are we calling it right, let's fix it in the fix it in post i like corrections corrections officer Oh, department. Corrections department I uh, stole from uh, Doug Love's movies. Oh, okay, we can't. So have I don't that. think I can have that. Okay. Fix it in post. You know, it's on theme. We don't have to. We don't have to lock that in right now. Like, but it's not going to be corrections. It might department. be my favorite segment of the show, though. It's it's to- quickly becoming mine as well. <laughs> uh, next on that list was the Buck Owens Telly I wanted to talk about, yeah, and this is le- this is less a correction and more just the ex post facto doing research about things we talk about after we talk about them dude i first of all i could talk about the buck owens in every episode dude did you know it's it's crafted in japan i would have assumed it was american maybe yeah right and i think i might have stated in the last episode that i that it was american did you Mm -hmm. well then there's another correction because i looked it up and they were made briefly from 98 to 2002 all sige or we've talked about this kid sige i don't know i just say sige yeah sige is cool yeah um yeah and well i think the reason i just assumed it was american because of the price i mean they're yeah. not cheap i on reverb currently the, the cheapest one that i saw i think is about 2200 going up to about 4000 yeah but interestingly in looking at these i found 
Buck Owens's actual Buck Owens telly that was for sale at one point on oh, Reverb. Oh wow! Yeah, it was. What it, were the specs? It's the same exact guitar. It just happened to be his one that he that had until that he, he died. Played. So they made it. They made the first one for him, and then they made the line. I don't maybe? know the whole story, but it could be. Yeah. Because I wonder if his was like an American custom shop or anything. No, it, like that. I looked at it. It was also Japanese. In wow. fact, that's how I realized that the rest of them were Japanese to begin with. I was looking. I read through that listing. I was like, "Whoa, this one was made in Japan." I wonder if the rest of them were, and then they yeah. were. I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. But it was. I think it, it had a listing price. It was over ten thousand. It was maybe eleven thousand or something like that. And it just said ended. It didn't say sold. So who knows? Maybe it's still. Uh, you know, somewhere from, I think it was a port, some Portland guitar shop had it. Decided to keep it. I would have. Well, the buck stops here, man. That was it. He that also has a, um, an, an acoustic. Have you seen that? No. Yeah. Does so, it look, does it have that same uh-huh. color it's deal? The, it's got the stripes. I have seen it. Is it Gretsch? I couldn't tell you the make actually. I'm picturing a Gretsch that looks like that, but I might be just pulling, pulling on my bum here. Yeah. Let's go with that. I'm digging how these mics sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, it feels good. We got a new mic setup today. We do have a new mic setup. Shout out Stingray loyal fan of the show i shouldn't say loyal fan dear friend of the show uh we were hanging out this past weekend and he he's an amazing voiceover i mean artist his his voice makes ours sound like tin cans rattling down an alley we can't have him on the show just because he'll sound exactly good yeah but so this is actually i'm now talking to his re20 uh electro voice mic that he dropped off and uh, now you're on my SM7 that I've I'm been on, using. Yeah, the SM7 sounds great. Sounds wonderful. I really like the the way they're they're going right now. Um, speaking of corrections department, a couple more. Uh, another dear friend of the show, actually, who you I there's no I no you wouldn't have met him. My uh, old friend Steve Holland, who is what's up, Steve? Uh, who is known to old friends as speakers or to my grandfather as wires because he's that kind of guy uh he is now a professor at the milwaukee school of engineering oh wow yeah real smart i used to copy his calculus homework for sure and uh sorry steve but he uh, responded as an expert in the field we are our conversation about uh what is i now know pronounced piazzo yeah he 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 said hey just so you know like Piazzo electric blah 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 is pronounced like this it's not and he specifically said um don't listen to the brits so okay piazzo and don't listen to the brits thank you so much yeah i know i was pretty stoked that he uh that he commented that because I, I now i learned something and it was good to hear from him steve was steve's a great drummer he was a drummer in my first band in high school oh wow yeah we talked a bit about the uh, like different you know fish jams and such we would do that was steve in, in his parents basement bless their hearts love that his steve's older brother tom holland you might have i'm sure you've seen his name at some point or something he's a, a pretty well-known chicago blues guitarist ripping guitar player and um we would you know use his stuff down in the basement and all that good stuff oh, his, cool, his leftovers man. my first recording unit that i ever spent time with was a tascam porta studio mark ii that was his that he had just left down there love those things i wish i still had it those yeah. things were great and they've gone up in price mm-hmm. people want them now they're cool again yeah for good reason mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely they sound great um, they sound great and they're it's it's about that limitation that we like to impose on ourselves you just have four tracks and one little cassette tape and have at it very little i don't even know if there there might have been eq on that one there was basically gain for the inputs and that was kind of it had some dolby noise reduction i just saw one on craigslist this morning actually i think it was like i was asking like 200 for it or something like that yeah yeah that sounds yeah. about right it might have been a different i model, wouldn't want to pay that but that seems right. about to be about what they're going for it looked i was like it'd be cool just to have you know just do the little 
Yeah. Oh, I, no, I, I very much intend on getting something like that at some point soon just to have. And is there a way to run that um, if you wanted to digitize the audio? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I've done that in recordings before with, with Dan Smart. What's up, Dan? Uh, he had a bigger version of that, but, you know, nicer one. Uh, that we, I think, I think, I can't remember if we ran it into drums or how we did it, but there, he actually, I, I think he had it set up in a way where you could kind of almost do it in real time. But of course, all you really have to do is just record it and then import it, you know, later, like you would sample anything. Right. Um, and does it give it that, like, you that know, crunchy lo fi tapes? Not, not like, uh, not you know, a two inch Ampex machine or something, but right. like, yeah, 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 it does a super cool distortion thing. Be cool with your bedroom amp. You know, something like that. Bedroom amp callback. Love it. Love it. Last on the corrections department, I forgot to mention one other important part of the, our podcasting chain that we use. Um, I mentioned the, the Apollo as the interface that we use to record everything. I also have a um, Black Lion Audio modded Dangerous Audio D box, which is a confusing string of words. Okay. Uh, it's a. It's essentially I. What I use it for is. Um, let me think about this D to a conversion. So you typically in, in an interface, you have a to D conversion analog to digital. So you're sending your microphones in or whatever it is. Then that has to get turned into ones and zeros for the computer to do it. And then you do D to a on the way back out where before it goes to the speakers, it turn, turns those ones and zeros into a physical thing again. I use the dangerous audio to do that part of it. Okay. Um, that does that. We use it for our, our headphone monitoring and I also use it for summing. Cool. So it's, I, I felt as I was listening back and editing, I was like, that's a, I guess, sort of important part to, to mention that, um, I use. So figure might as well get that out there, you know, not yeah. to be too, uh, down in the weeds when about the nerds. No, I mean, I think people, they write us, you know, they want to know this kind of stuff. You know, um, I think there's a lot of people listening who do their own podcast too. So listeners, we've got some of those. We're going to have some more on Saturday when we are on an AM radio show. Yeah, that's happening. Saturday, brother. I'm well, I guess man. by the time this comes out, it'll be yeah. like a week previous. So right. go back in time and listen to that thing, <laughs> which is why I guess I don't even really need to provide the details. I know there are ways to listen to it online. I highly doubt it's going to be archived. So, you know, we're just going to mention it now, but nobody's going to be able to listen to it. I guess we should do a little social media blast or some such like, hey, yeah. our digital ass podcast is going on AM radio to you talk know, about our podcast on the digital ass. Is computers. it? Um what do you know what the station is 1680 a.m end of the dial didn't know it went up that high perfect and hopefully you don't have to like drive out to the lake to be able to hear apparently it is most uh most strongly broadcast in the north to northwest part of the city of chicago okay great i was told but uh i don't have a currently functioning am radio so i don't know what i would do but there is there is a website i don't know what it is but that they also simulcast and do that sort of thing on what should we talk about when we're there? Do we want to do we want to come in with some sort of uh, uh, prepared talking points? Well, I, I mean, hopefully they're just going to ask you know how we came up with the idea for the podcast. And I'm, I'm thinking it'll be pretty basic. I, that sounds really boring to me. We, that's why I'm saying maybe we need to we'll spice it up. We need to spice it up. Maybe we come in character, Ooh. costume of some sort, funny shirts like matching shirts, funny shirts. Ooh, <laughs> get some funny shirts. A man whose moniker is Flabby Hoffman would appreciate some matching goofy shirts. Yeah. Um, well, what's interesting is uh, I talked to Russ last night at the practice space, and his band, I think they went in there about a year ago, year and a half ago, and this whole, like, you know, he was, like, just come at, you know, a slot every 20 minutes, yeah. starting at two or whatever. I was like, well, is there a line of people, like, 
to get in this thing and russ was like yeah actually when we were leaving some somebody else was going in yeah. so this is like it's a thing it's a it's a it's a well-oiled machine cool. well i don't know how well oiled he did warn me that things tend to run a bit late so you know we could get there early but not expect to necessarily be on at 2 p.m sharp he did also say that flabby hoffman wasn't there and there was like three guys there oh interesting yeah that'll be that'll be that'll be interesting finally having you know interacted with flabby numerous times in the past over the years i'll be interested to see if he is actually there or not yeah i think it's, is his name bob or something like that i don't remember yeah i think his name's bob we'll go with that that's what we'll go with (laughs) so that's happened in saturday pretty exciting news there we also got some listener questions i don't mean to keep singing every one of these things but you know somebody stop me it's either that or we get somebody stop me yeah we get one of those like soundboards or something but oh yeah they're i think they're funny but i also don't ever want to have one for myself i don't ever want to hit one like hit it by accident where it makes it awkward and then we just like stare at each other (laughs) (laughs) did you mean to hit that so the first question was sent in by a loyal listener asking how can i tell if a band sucks or not when i'm seeing them live hmm Whoa. As a as a non technical listener, you're at the show. You can't. Everybody's kind of stone faced. You're not getting a reaction one way or another. How what what are some like? How would you decide? Like what what jumps out to you if this band sucks or not? Well, uh, sucks technically, or you like you think their music I, sucks? I, that's. I mean, I, I guess that's the question. Part of it. I see. I don't. I won't ever rag on someone if they're like not technically proficient. Like yeah. if they're up there trying and they're out playing, uh, I give them credit for that. And then if, you know, even if they're a singer and they're not hitting notes great, I mean, I don't sing great, you know, stuff like that. So I disagree. Well, thanks. I uh, appreciate that. Fishing for compliments. No, but I, I definitely like, you know, everyone's up there trying. So I definitely wouldn't go like this band sucks. Like, first of all, I think people that say that it's kind of tough, you know, like try to use more constructive words than that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, if. I mean, or if they're playing like really whack guitars, you know, there's that too. There is that. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, well, the first thing is like, are they playing Squires, bro? See, yeah, but man, I've seen people rip on Squires. Oh, that's uh, absolutely. Yeah. I Actually, I love when that happens yeah. because it's like, yep, that's right. I don't need a $5,000 guitar. I can play this $300 guitar and rip your face off. Right. Do you remember that band, uh, Diarrhea Planet? Yeah. Yeah. They had like, you know, seven guys in the band, like three guitar players up front or maybe even four, um, they all played like shitty squires that they would rip the guts out of and stuff yeah. and like put, you know, crazy P90s in and everything. Especially with that kind of band live, it's, yeah. you're not, you're not hearing the tone. It's about yeah. the brute force. Smash them on stage and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool. Dude, um, that is a future topic. I wanted to talk about smashing guitars. Let's not forget that. Yeah. I want to bring that back. Don't forget. Come back to that. But how, how can you tell if a band sucks? I mean, that's really up to you. If, if you really don't like the band, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's your own opinion, but you know, I've, I'm noticing, I've got to say uh, we've got a positive Dave in the house today. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty, you're open. feeling pretty positive we had, right we had now. A rehearsal last night. I got some energy out. There you, you go. Know, so I'm feeling pretty Zen today. You feeling know? Zen. I'm getting over. I had a little back injury earlier this week. Oh, I, I didn't know about yeah, that. So I just wasn't feeling great. You know, I'm feeling pretty good today. What so. happened? You all right? I was just carrying the groceries weird or something, yeah. man. It's like, you know, one of those things where I just kind of twisted, twisted wrong up the stairs and you you know when you feel it tighten up and it just goes Wah. you know it's like almost like wringing out a dish rag totally man it just tightened up and i was like fuck dude so fuck dude you know i'm, um, glad, you're, I'm glad you're back thanks buddy yeah I'm feeling no good pun today. intended yeah i didn't have to take any of the uh the wicked pills or anything crazy like wicked that, pills so. yeah you, stay you gotta away, tell me more about stay these away from those, share man. the wealth yeah, brother those painkillers man um i yeah i it, yeah, what do you think man it's such a it's such a it's a tough thing, it's, and it's an interesting question for sure. And I and I don't think I'd ever really thought about it in such plain terms before. 
I, yeah, it, for me, it's totally a gut thing. There are very few times where I've seen a band start playing that I'd never seen before. And then, didn't like it initially and then grew to like it it's usually like kind of an instant thing like i can if and i don't know if it's like it or sometimes i just and this is my own personal bias and stuff but sometimes i just feel like closed off like i'll make a snap judgment and be like i'm not going to be into this sure sure so i'm i don't i don't know if i have a very good answer for this one which is great for this podcast here yeah i I just feel like it's a little bit i wish it was worded just a little differently because like how can you tell if a band sucks is really only or how do you like it that i mean that is that is just a choice of words you could say you know how do you tell like what what's something like what what might you like in a a band that you're seeing for the first time what are some things you're checking out okay well like um you know a good stage presence is important right like you want to see a band that you know they look like they're into it on stage so i would say that if you go to see a band and they're just like don't care that you're there kind of staring at the ground you know even sometimes it's cool like some bands pull that off you know the kind of standing still thing but like if you're at least like into it smiling a little bit making some eye contact with the crowd i think that's important you know okay shows that you're trying um yeah you're right it's there the crowd is making the effort to be there and come see you at least make the effort to be there for them i mean you know i've seen some bands where they can just kind of look at the the stage floor the whole time and and be fine but the, mm-hmm. for the most part and, and that's a hard thing to do like to get up there on the stage and like try to make eye contact with strangers out in the crowd so i get you know i get yeah. it but that is part of it you want it's a it's a communal thing it's yeah. not just you playing at somebody it's them being there and giving that energy back i mean i'm sure you've had shows where you've gotten good energy from the crowd whether they're it's just because they're drunk or not whatever yeah. the reason is and they and then they give that to you and then you give even more back to them oh, and you leave it all on the stage and have a best show. You almost get like uh, it's like an out of body experience almost yeah. when it gets that good, you know? Um, I, but you know, to, don't get me wrong, man. I do love a good, like shitty YouTube video. Like you've seen the one of uh, uh, final countdown and it's that band covering Europe. Yeah, oh countdown. yeah. And they, you know, it's supposed to be like the worst band in the world. That's funny, dude. I'm sorry, but like, I, I do love watching shit like that. Absolutely. Too. There is, I mean, there have been so many good ones. I, I especially like, there was, and that guy who became sort of a viral hit, wound up even being on The Office, who was, he was like the drummer that's too good for the gig or whatever. Yes. And he's doing f- crazy flips and spins yeah. and all kinds of stuff. And then wound up being on. Uh, is that Kevin? It's the episode uh, later on when James Spader, Robert California is there mm-hmm. and they, they're having their like blues jam or whatever. And then like he brings all the players in and oh, comes. Right. The, du- the drummer is the dude from that. Yeah. Who's just like, he's like twirling the drumstick. Exactly. Every hit. Yeah. yeah. I love I mean I love watching stuff like that or there was that one Japanese dude in the crazy costume did you see that one he's wearing this like big sort yep. of like goofy cat looking costume mm-hmm. and it's like this kid's music blah 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 and blah 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 and then he just starts crazy. doing crazy yeah. 30 second note kick drum yeah. metal stuff all over but it's still playing in time and stuff yeah by the way both of those drummers do not suck not at all they rip yeah oh my god yeah incredible hilarious yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I think another thing for me that I was I was just thinking about as we're talking about this is it's almost this can be part of it comes from the band, but I think it's it's much less about the band and more about the venue and the uh, sound guy. Oh yeah, working behind the board because if you can be an awesome band and super tight and all that stuff, but if if it doesn't sound good coming off the stage oh as as a dude who obsesses over sound quality and all that kind of stuff that can totally blow it for me and that's a bummer because you can and you know like as you're standing you're like oh this band isn't bad it's just it's not coming good off the stage part of that could be their own preparation and learning how to set up their tones together and working with the sound guy and that sort of thing but a lot of that really is down to the house and, and their pa and how the guy knows how to use it my worst fear like playing on stage is if if it's the sounds bad and you don't know it but people are kind of like not into it you know not that you would ever know but if they if they're like walking out and they're like this band sucks but it's all just because like 
the sound guy just mixed it yeah. terribly. I actually, I have a, I have a tip for this what's that? because you're right when you're standing on the stage, the monitor mix you're getting is vastly yep. different than what's coming out of the PA. Right. If you're not a live musician, you probably might not realize that, but it's mm. they're typically tailored to what each person's wanting to Two hear. Different things, yeah. and it's and it's never ideal, which is why a lot of people have gone into inner monitors. The tip that I have is if you've got that looper pedal on your board, set up a riff in one of your songs, loop it. Put your guitar down and go stand out in the house during sound check yeah and then you can actually hear what it sounds like coming off the stage with the rest of the band and it's a wonderful thing you can even have that you know if everybody has a loop you can i mean obviously the drummer and the singer probably not but yeah we've we've also had times where like um you know maybe just you know if the singer isn't part of like the musicians in the band he can kind of i didn't mean that but like if he's not playing yeah. something and he can go out and listen to everybody else playing on stage at least get an idea of like you know the levels of the instruments are totally even, you know and then that's he, assuming you trust the singer which let's be honest nobody does <laughs> that's another topic for another uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's up singers Yo. no i that that, that that's absolutely it's a sim- the same idea but there yeah. nobody you're never going to trust anybody else's ears as much as your own yeah i agree usually so i don't know that's that's all I, that's all i really got to say about that yeah. one i think it's a good question something interesting to think about but i would say yeah i think i think you hit you hit it in the beginning when you said it's all, it's more about just kind of giving them a chance and yeah. being positive that somebody's out there kind of doing their thing and trying yep absolutely uh one other listener question was about the format of the show oh great are we ever going to do video well i mean obviously if it was like Yes, of course. <laughs> um, that'd be great. You know, I so, you know, I think I said in the last podcast, but, you know, Henry here does all of the audio mixing, editing, you know, cutting out bad words and profanities and adding bad words and clappies and all that fun stuff. So, you know, I, we'd almost, you know, I wouldn't want to put that on him to be like, hey, man, we got to get video going because like it's going to be it's going to be time in your day because I don't even know how yeah. to do that stuff. So we could I mean, we could we could figure out ways to work on this stuff together yeah. for sure. But I as it is, I, you know, I don't don't mind doing any of that stuff it's mm-hmm. and i've got the time for it so it's cool i think if we did a single camera yeah yeah it would have to be very to simple it would be single camera and then throwing images on the top of it like have you looked up um like tricasters at all do you know anything about yeah. those yeah i've seen that stuff and do those allow you to do that like kind of on the fly but you yeah. always have to have a producer doing it like though right you can I, there is a way that i could do it i i, I think it would maybe pull me out of the conversation too much to be yeah, focusing on that all the like time that. exactly uh if we were to do multi-camera i would just do all at once and then edit it later which of course adds way more time to it right so i think yeah to me and, and as as someone that i mean i have a lot of gear i spent a lot of time demoing it for myself to learn it i i could see myself wanting to make some gear demo videos videos anyway so mm-hmm. i might as well just throw a podcast on that and uh render it all just have my computer working 24 7 yeah. rendering stuff well you know you are going to be moving soon so we're going to have a chance to kind of maybe set it up in a different way yeah. absolutely yeah there's there's in some ways more space too even though i have plenty here it's it's a different layout for sure way more kind of open cool and um yeah i don't i think i want to have the piano in the living room Ooh, nice so we'll see we'll sing see what along happens. night sing along night yeah, Ooh, i gotta learn some songs yeah you do I could I could probably plunk out some chords if you gave me like twenty seconds to figure it out before we started playing. I think we could do some sing alongs. Yeah, you could just like, do like chords, like look them up on. Um, do you have a sing along? Like, do you have a go to sing along song or a band? Um, I don't know. We rocked that Weezer song pretty hard the other night. Let's say it ain't so. When you were over. Oh right, we that did all, happen. We that is that is that. Say it ain't so is 
our generation's Mustang Sally. Yes. Everybody knows it. Yes, it really, that's a great analogy. It totally is. I love it. And I like it a lot more than I like Mustang Sally, so that works out. Big time. Man, that's uh, that's so funny. I wonder, if, that, I wonder if that's gotten to the point where like that song is banned at blues jams. I wonder if Say It Ain't So is banned at emo jams. No, I think you're just... You just do it. Oh, speaking of emo, my beer is empty. I'm feeling pretty emo too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I used to be like that probably in college. Of course. It's a young man's game. You know who actually um, was the one who, Russ was the one who totally got me into that whole idea. Like, you know, everybody, you know, everybody's up there up there trying. Like if they're making music, I'll watch it kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's, what's better than listening to live music? Exactly. The best, the worst live music is better than. A lot of a lot of bad stuff. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent. So by the way, we're almost at like thirty minutes already. Wow. And one thing I've learned in this process is that Squarespace doesn't allow us to host files larger than one hundred and sixty megabytes without external storage. So I think the reason we uh, the the reason we had to do last episode, which was like ninety minutes long, yeah. In uh, two was because I don't have enough space. It was the file size was too big. So either we go all in and keep these real long or we try to keep it down to 60 minutes yeah I mean, we just keep an eye on the time way. keep an eye on the time but I, cool. I fuck that shit dude i know i just like rambling we haven't yet i check but that's why i even checked just now we're at like 30 minutes or so cool um dude i wanted to talk about a couple a couple news items with you what do we got? one of them you brought up to me yeah that I don't know about you, but I've had I've had to fly with guitars numerous times, mm-hmm. and it's almost universally a horrible experience. I can't. I mean, I've never done it, and I can't imagine. But if tell me a story about it, please. Oh, I don't have a story prepared. I've got a, well, the first one that comes to mind. I was playing CMJ out in New York with Tom Schrader, and we were flying the gigs. I don't remember. We had like two or three, and I was playing acoustic. And this is when I had a. Oh, I wish I could remember the exact model. It was an Alvarez, I believe, 8070, I want to say, uh, acoustic electric in a hard case. And I've previously, when I had flown with that guitar, I was allowed to put it in the either the overhead because it could fit or the, uh, you know, a lot of airplanes have for the coat closet. And I remember on this particular one, this flight we didn't they didn't they wouldn't allow me to do it they made me they made me gate check it so you know i bring it up to the gate but they still put it under the plane yeah we get to uh new york i I think we had a gig the next night at the living room i believe and i hadn't realized i'd played the guitar but i hadn't plugged it in somehow in transit the pickup system broke off of the inside and i didn't no longer i didn't have electric signal electric signal and they Come were not on. prepared for that eventuality. And I had to use, I believe it was actually an SM57 wow. out in front of the sound hole and you couldn't hear a damn thing. Uh, yeah. For this like, you know, sort of like high profile showcase type right. type gig. And, you know, I'm Tom's guitar player and uh, it was just the two of us. You didn't, you couldn't borrow a guitar from anybody like that was there. I, I didn't know until I, we plugged in. Oh, you didn't have a chance to check it. And no, like, we'd played and like right. warmed up and it everything, but I wasn't plugged in. Yeah. And uh, when do you ever rehearse with the acoustic electric plugged in? I mean, you should, I guess, yeah. you know, in hindsight, but right. we didn't have that. I mean, this was a fly by the seat of your pants kind of situation. It wasn't like a part of a big band. No, it was just the two of us. Right, right, right. Oh my God. Dude. Yeah. I actually hadn't thought about that in a while and I'm just now remembering that. Uh, well, the article I sent was, I guess it was just that 
that they're not going to charge for oversized luggage um, to an extent, I guess. So any of your basic guitar cases, hard shell, um, they're just going to charge, I guess, whatever $30 fee. And it's American Airlines that's doing this exclusively. AA. I, I jumped on so, the AA bandwagon. Uh, that's a weird way to put it. I jumped on the American Airlines plane yeah. f- a few years ago when I was traveling a lot for work all the time. And, uh, you know, a lot of people like to talk smack about them, but I've had a pretty positive yeah. experience, all things told. Sure. Yeah, they're great. That's is All things told? Is that all things said. All, all things said. All things come and go. All things go. All things go. <laughs> Are you a Sufjan guy? Oh, Sufjan Stevens? Oh, never really listened uh, to Who? <laughs> <laughs> who? Uh, that's from the, I was just quoting one of the songs. I think you'd actually really dig it. Yeah. I'm going to make you listen to some later. As long as it doesn't suck. As long as it doesn't suck. Yeah, it definitely doesn't suck live. Uh, so, yeah, I, dude, I've had people ask me, like, you know, um, or people I've heard from people. They're like, yeah, don't worry about it, man. You can just, like, check it in the closet or, you know, use the overhead bin for the, you know, the hard mm-hmm. case or whatever. And I'm just like, dude, every time I've ever flown, it's been a totally full flight and the overhead's been totally full. Yeah, right. Like, I can't remember the last time I flew where there, where there was, like, empty seats even on a plane. So to assume that I'd be able to put, you know, a giant case somewhere. Now, what would, you know, what are your other options, I guess, is what, you know, maybe I wanted to bring up. Yeah, well, exactly. So but, and here's the thing to keep in mind. When they're, when they're saying there's no extra fee for oversized luggage, if it's an instrument, or I believe it's sporting equipment was the other thing, that's still getting checked. Right. So that's still getting thrown by the dude out on the outside into the bottom of the plane. You know, oh. so essentially, all it, it's not fixing the problem. But at least you're not getting charged extra to possibly have your instrument destroyed. Mm -hmm. All you can do at that point, if you absolutely must, is get a certified flight case. Which is, which is, they were prohibitive previously because of the weight. They were so expensive to fly. Right. Now they're saying, hey, you like, you can just still have that flight case, but yeah, Um, you know, it's free. Yeah. I mean, or whatever the normal charge is. It's not free, man. And, you know, obviously you know if i had to fly somewhere and play right now i mean i would maybe borrow you know a guitar or like you know rent maybe even rent a bass from somebody like i I just couldn't risk that's the alternative is renting when you're there when you get there yeah i mean that would be then you're running at the risk what if you hate that instrument and you don't bond with it like your beautiful basses that you love already i know but man i couldn't fly with one you know what i mean like that would just be so i would be so mad at myself you know what i would consider doing i would consider shipping it to my hotel and shipping it back home and it would be like no, those FedEx dudes are still flinging that thing around. I use uh, UPS exclusively when I okay ship. UPS same They're difference. Great, I see them. I literally watch them with you throw a box over my the next door, <laughs> the true. neighbor's thing the that's fence. True. Literally just that. chuck well, it over the fence. That's why I do a hell of a packing job. Now. Well, sure, but yeah. you could do that. My my counter argument is you could do that before you fly with it. Right. And at least the the only time it is being not handled by you is when it gets put on uh, on the plane and then pulled off. Right. And then it came just out of, um, just like it was just with all the, all the, all luggage the regular luggage. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So if you, have, if you have a flight case, I mean, those things are yeah. certified for that sort That's of thing. They're just it. expensive. Yeah. Well, man, it would suck though. If you just had like one gig, you yeah. know, and you're like, not, you know, like me, I'm not that active at playing out. So if someone's like, yeah, you want to come to like LA and play a gig, man, I'd have to borrow something out there or just, or you could, you could buy a flight case from unnamed big box store and then mm. return it as soon as you get back. How dare you? Nobody's ever thought of that before. No, what are you talking I wonder if about? can you return? I don't know. I feel like cases maybe you can't return. That'd be a, that'd be a good call. That's an interesting. I can't remember from my guitar retail days. I believe I feel like cases and strings. I know for sure anything we wouldn't accept anything. The package. Well, not even the package. Anything that would come into 
biological contact with you, like a microphone that you could spit yeah. into. We wouldn't take it or like what headphones, about, like drumsticks. Probably can't return drumsticks, right? Uh, you Unless know, they like break or you know that's a warranty. I don't, I don't know. Factor. Actually, I think at that yeah, anything consumable is probably probably like off limits. Chip away or, they or strings. Yeah, you throw them on and then right. all of a sudden they're whatever. Yeah, um, you could do that. Uh, I had a question that I wanted to ask you, and now I totally can't remember what oh, it was. I'm sorry, buddy. Oh no, it wasn't a question. It was just you made me think when you mentioned your uh your bases for some reason your jazz bass popped into my head yeah and then because of that it popped into my head that yes i was playing my banjo the other day Ooh. busted that out and in the neck of it I, I even said when we were talking about the jazz bass it reminds me of that banjo's neck i forgot you had a banjo yeah oh man it's pretty awesome yeah we gotta rip that thing out man we yeah it is a, a 1958 gibson rb100 really uh, given to me by my grandfather that was that was the first stringed instrument i ever played when i would go over to his house he had a piano and then he had that under his bed he also had a trumpet and accordion stuff i never messed with those but he had that under his bed and i would pull that out and try to like pluck out you know guitar riffs or yeah. something that i had heard on there and then years later he gave it to me and that will probably be the only 1958 gibson i ever own yeah that's a good bet i mean that's you know it's just you know it's a, it's a year <laughs> yeah. that people like and yeah. now spend all the money on so, but it's it's beautiful and i hadn't played it in at least a year uh so i had to kind of reacquaint myself with banjo chords and the tuning and all that stuff but it plays great it's all original except for the bridge yeah uh, i mean those just you have to replace them all the time i don't know if you play banjos and uh it's it's got a sunburst finish on the back it actually my mandolin that you've seen they're identical yeah they're basically brothers what years the mando i forget like that's 60? a 65 okay Let's but it was made yeah. in the same kalamazoo. kalamazoo factory oh very cool uh and so yeah it's it's, it's it sounds great i i've done i've done a little bit of research on it just to see what they're going for right now and i'm not being a banjo expert i kind of wanted to just like get opinions on it and people really like them they're i guess if you change one thing about the hoop it becomes what's known as a master tone and okay. people seem to like that a lot well, not a banjo guy yeah, so i don't, I don't know, know what, what that, that means All right. yeah it's i think i think that this one maybe the the because it's essentially like a, a strung up drum it has a snare head yeah, on it like and everything. Drum, yeah. uh, the hoop that like you'd normally have on a drum, I guess, is sort of thicker than maybe people like. So people will shave it down, and then there. I don't, dude. I don't know. I'm I'm out of my element here. But it's yeah. the little bit that I can hack around on banjo. It, it's super fun to play, and you know, got some got some riffs and stuff working on a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, no, no, Bela Fleck over here, dude. I'm impressed. Oh, he's the man. Yeah. I used to love watching that in college. Oh yeah, like I was the him shit. and uh, Edgar Meyer is kind of my favorite. Yeah, duo that i can think of off the top got a little beer slurp right there slurp um oh yeah we were talking we said we were going to come back to we were talking about smash you mentioned smashing guitars earlier yeah and that's something that has for some reason i feel like has been coming up a lot between us lately and there are like a couple different news stories i know there was one we were talking about oh yeah the uh the ingve we're talking about your boy last last episode and so i went digging for the article and i think that's the article i came across which uh, isn't even relevant to what we were right. talking about but so what that article is about is uh I, what is it somebody made a, it was a guitar world article guitar world somebody made a 3d printed guitar yep and he, what did he say he didn't like it or something like that i don't i don't know that i i honestly didn't read the article that closely i didn't either 
<laughs> Skim past it. But I, what I recall is that this guitar was designed to be unsmashable, and then he was like, yo, try to smash it. Yo. And then he didn't because he couldn't. And now it's up for auction. Yeah, it's on reverb. It kind of it has sort of like a a Les Paul meets an electrical guitar company vibe or like Travis Bean vibe. Okay, it's all metal and, and it's got like a hole in the headstock right there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of want to try it because it, it, I mean it looks super cool. It's it's like a Les Paul, but it's got almost a, a like a Strat pickup configuration. Oh, that's cool. Oh yeah, it's really very futuristic looking. Holy crap! Yeah, it's got the three single coils. It's like a Les Paul with three single coils. Yeah. Almost. But so it was 3D printed. Oh, titanium. Okay. Titanium. Oh, um, so I thought that was interesting. And then that made me think of the time. This is like a few years ago. And I don't like to speak of the dead. But do you remember when Prince smashed that guy's guitar? Dude. After that, I think it was a Jimmy Kimmel performance. It's it's the, oh, what's his name? The Roots guitarist. The Roots guitar player. And he's like the man. Not uh, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon's guitar yeah. player. Yeah. On the, yeah, the Roots, right. And it was an epiphone wilshire wilshire i believe I think so yeah like a vintage one 65. and then and then prince saw it when they were at rehearsals right is this how the story yeah. goes he saw mm-hmm. him playing it and he's like oh i want to play that live and of course you're going to be like yes prince you can play my yeah. vintage instrument yeah and then he smashed it watch the performance at the very end which is prince is known to do is smash a guitar at the end of a song but like that's not your guitar dude and it's a vintage i mean that's irreplaceable like you can't just so then, well, the story, the story really goes, the reason it really made headlines is, and I don't know if this is a joke or not, but they said he asked Prince to sign it because he smashed it he, and so he said no. He, no, he tweeted about it yeah. th- saying, that's like rewarding your kid for doing something wrong. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the other sad thing was the guy was actually about to play like some Prince tribute show. Yeah, exactly. And he was going to use that guitar. That's the only reason he, he bought that guitar. Oh, Oh, he, so he bought it just for specifically that. for that tribute oh, gig. Oh man! And then Prince smashed it. Look, I don't like to speak ill of the dead, but like that was a dick move, man. Like, oh, of course. People were like, "Oh, whatever, dude. It's Prince. That's kind of cool." And I'm like, "That's not cool. Like, not with an old." I wonder. I wonder how the story ends. I wonder if Prince, you know, reimbursed him or anything like that. Man, I don't know. I hope so. I mean, shit. I hope he bought him too. Somebody you know? hip us to the knowledge on this one. Yeah, I yeah, wonder what it, the deal is because it wasn't that long before he died. Right, it came out in 2013, like spring of 2013. Oh. So I don't know when he he passed away. Shortly after that, a couple of years after that, I think. But, um, anyways, I saw that. I, that made me think of that article. I was like, man, remember that? But that was a cool guitar, man. That, uh, yeah, it's an Epiphone Willwood. Wilshire. Wilshire. Right? Yeah, it's sort of like a double cut, almost junior kind of looking thing. Yeah, I've I've played them. They actually re uh, reissued. I don't know if they're American made, but they're, they're expensive mm-hmm. versions of, there was a cheap version, then an expensive version several years ago. Uh, and they're cool. They're cool guitars. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't kick it out of bed. And then you sent me now this, we're going off on a tangent, but I wanted to kind of cover the other guitar that you sent me. Which one's that? It was the, the new Joe Perry signature. Oh yeah, Les that's Paul. right. Yeah, so that's right. What is it? It's, it's basically like a gold top Les Paul jr. That's been, also, it's like, it's a regular full, full fat Les Paul. It's just single, single it's pickup. A, it's a thin body. It's a thin line. No, body. it's no, it's dude. No, listen, listen to me. I'm Les Paul either. guy. Okay. It's a, it's a Les Paul access right. is what it is, okay. which is a regular Les Paul, but the uh, neck joint is scarfed. So you can get up and do all the, like the high fret stuff. Yeah. And it's got a whammy bar. So I was like, so 
I'm like, well, this thing's cool. It's coming out. You know, it's got, it's a relic model too. So it's got yeah, the checking. They, it's a, it's a light relic, which it, from the pictures it looks pretty good. Tasteful. Um, and the video is enter- entertaining of, of like Joe, like posing with it. And they're like, and like not playing the music that like they're actually playing. showing. Oh, it's so cheesy. Um, so I looked it up. It's $7,500. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. And I think that's Dude. for the autograph model. Yeah. There, there's a certain amount that are autographed. And what? I think like 25 autographed and then like another 200 like now that sounds about right i thought it was 500 but yeah, yeah who knows how many people are buying joe numbers, perry guitars but if the autograph one's you know 7500 i'm sure the non-autographed is not cheap you know so. yeah at least at least 35 to yeah. four bills which which is interesting because this is actually something that you hit me to at that guitar show or maybe it was before or something and then we wound up talking to daniel from cme about it how i this I, it makes sense now that i know but nine times out of 10 a signature on a guitar devalues it yeah yeah um yeah a friend of mine had a a 56 les paul jr he still has it but he actually paid um uh, i think it was rock and roll vintage their best guy to um go over the the finish and basically it was les paul's signature on the body les paul's signature on a les paul les paul jr um like a 55 les paul jr i think it is a 56 um and he actually had it removed. It was like right in the yellow part. It was like a blue marker right in the yellow of the burst. And he actually paid someone to remove it, which they did a hell of a job on it. And, and that increases great. the value. Well, it, it depends. I mean, it, technically, once you do anything to a finish of a guitar, it kind of devalues it. Mm-hmm. As the Unless it's like, you know, like nicks and scrapes are one thing. But as soon as there's like any kind of marker or touch-up paint or anything like that, I think that constitutes it as like a partial refit. But I'm just asking, like, would that instrument as is or as was with the signature versus now professionally removed which one is more valuable i think it's more valuable because you have a bigger market of people as a guitar just as a guitar without the signature right because which kind of blew my mind now if you have somebody who's like a crazy les paul collector and everything les paul is like their life and not les like paul is in the guitar les paul is in the, the man in, yeah, the lester musician. yeah the man paul the man um whatever i can't remember what his real last i'm name sure was. there's you know people out there who just collect everything he's ever done and all that you know that person would probably like something like that but that's really it's gonna be hard that's a much more limited market, market. Mm-hmm. yeah so yeah i didn't know that either until i saw that and i was like dude you have les paul signature on your les paul and he's like we're gonna get it taken off now here we're talking wow. about a joe perry signature model that is at least three thousand dollars more expensive mm-hmm. simply because it has his name written by him on the back of the headstock the back of the headstock with a silver marker now I kind of want to I want to sign my own instruments. Let's, we should. And see what that does. We did talk about making our signature instruments. I think that it all starts with the signature, right? Where would you put the signature? Well, you would have you did I liked the inlay idea that you talked about last the time. The IV, yeah. The IV's cool. Would you put your signature on it somewhere too? I got a back of the headstock, I think. Yeah. Or maybe mm, No, yeah, back of the headstock. I, if it was a bolt-on, I would consider doing it just above the neck joint. Mhm. Yeah. That'd look cool. Yeah, you, I could see a little old Dave Veller action going uh, just above the neck plate on your... Or you can even... What about etch it into the neck plate? I was going to just scratch it right in. Oh, scratch it? Yeah. Get like a little Dremel just out? Just a knife. A knife? Yeah, man. You got a pocket knife in those pants there? I sure do. You're just happy to be at the podcast. <laughs> Switchblade out. Switchblade? That's what they call you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, that was the news. Yeah. I feel good about the news. There was one. There's one sort of, I guess... I guess you could call it a main topic. Yeah, what do you got? That I wanted to to touch on with you. We haven't talked about strings yeah, at all. You're right. 
on this old this old podcast. You're right. Uh, we're going to rename it to this old podcast. And uh, I want to hear your I want to hear your thoughts. I I know that one of the things that I don't really know much about is that is this whole flat wound thing. Okay. As, as a non bass or traditional jazz man yeah those just have been outside of my purview most of my life yeah so that's i guess that's that's one thing i want to learn about i mean we might i guess we might as well for why don't we just talk about the strings we use and Mm -hmm. then kind of get into uh different types of strings yeah real quick i won't uh drag it out too much but i i like diodario i think they're the they're the best diodario diodario and that that might be another one is like how do you pronounce that it's diodario i watched the thing about them that makes sense to Dario because they have the apostrophe. All right. Well, I'll come I to- believe also a Brooklyn company or somewhere in New York, yeah. maybe not Brooklyn, but yeah. Well, Dario, what's up? Shout out to Dario. Um, have yeah, you all, have you always used those or did you kind of no, like stumble into it? Yeah. I started using, um, I used Roto sound for a little while. Oh, okay. I know people like those. Yeah. They, they actually have the, um, they have the Steve Harris signature, which is like a stainless steel string, which if you want that clamp, Iron Maiden, yeah, maybe. Dude, and I had those on that 75 P bass when, when we used to cover Iron Maiden. I've got steels on the on the P now. Yeah. Yeah, they sound yeah, it's just like the perfect amount of brightness. Um so I use those and then I switched to the Roto Sound seventy sevens, which I think might be like a Getty no, I'm 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 not sure, but they're a seventy seven, they're a steel flat wound. And I really liked the sound I got from that. I had those on... No, that's right. I had those on my Getty Lee Jazz Bass. That's what I was thinking of Getty Lee. Okay, um, so typical, I would say, the majority of strings people use are round wound yeah, these round days, wound. right? I think so. That's like your standard. Like, if you go to Guitar Center, that's going to be Get on a pack all. of Ernie Balls. Well, those are going to be round wound. those are going to be on all... Like, everything that comes out of the factory is like those Fender round wound strings, um, generally. So, so when we talk about the string, there are kind of like... When we were talking about flat wounds, there are kind of a few different parts of the string there's the core mm-hmm. and that's what we're saying like round wound or it's either that or hex wound there's wrapping so that's the part around the outside mm-hmm. that's round flat or half which i you're gonna have to explain that to me because i don't know what the heck that means <laughs> and then there's coating if it's yep. got some sort of coating around yeah, the outside so the strings. thing the, the thing i want to ask you about is what is this like how does what is this flat wound thing like what is what is that all about like i've never i've never owned a guitar or instrument with flat wound strings well, on it i'll try my best i mean I'm, I'm definitely not an expert but um i prefer the flat wounds so back back in the day that that's what they came with that's how fender wrapped strings originally at least for bass okay uh was a flat wound string so everything had that so that's why you have those old recordings that have that flat wound sound you know what do you mean by that what is the flat wound sound it's it's a it's a duller thumpier um the the notes don't sustain quite as long as they could with like a round wound definitely less bright um so i found I, I get a really good um, flat wound sound from, I use uh, D- Daddario Chromes, Daddario. which are actually, um, I don't know the specifics, but they are they are their like premier flat wound string. Um, and I actually use half wounds on my P-Bass, so it's a little bit of both. And I would say that the Chromes are a little bit darker sounding, if you want to take do they Do word. they also feel different? Yes, so the, they're very, both of them feel equally smooth. Um, the half wounds even have more of a flat wound feel. You know, so they're very smooth, which is that the touch is everything, man. And when I first got them, I hated them because I put them on. And they were almost like sticky feeling, if that makes hmm. sense. Like they just maybe there just wasn't enough oil in them from like, you know, your fingers. Sure. But oh, my God, after, you know, years of playing on the same strings, those things and you leave those on, man. You you don't ever have to change those strings ever. That's so interesting to me. I feel like that is like, unless you're for the most part like a traditional jazz type guy in the guitar electric guitar world that's just that wasn't it's just never a thing that i yeah. had got to use or would even think about and now i really want to put some flat wounds maybe on the gretch maybe on maybe the jazz master Dude, do something the gretch would interesting. be really cool with that man 
yeah. I'm gonna have to look into that. That's yeah. really that's really cool. Um, I yeah, I mean, I use. I actually use coded strings on mm-hmm. my on my guitars, which okay. for some people I think might be, I don't know if weird, but or blasphemy. But what brand? I for electric guitars I use Elixir uh, Nano Webs. I started using those. Wow, at least maybe almost ten years ago. Uh, after I was an Ernie Ball guy, just because I knew that's like what well, Jimmy Page and stuff played, and I and then I went through a thing where I tried all sorts of different strings for a while, and then was like, hey, you know what, I'm just gonna try these coded things and see what that's all about, and I have them on all of my electric guitars and have, I, I don't really intend on changing. I part of it is also a familiarity thing at this point. I know how those are supposed to sound and feel so, because I'm just so used to them. But I use 11s, which are pretty heavy for some people. A lot of people use nines or tens, mm-hmm. especially on a Fender scale length because it's longer. What is the uh, what does a heavier versus a lighter string do for you? Yeah, it's, for there are many arguments that mm-hmm. people have over this. Some people will try to convince you that heavy strings create better tone. Mm-hmm. I think hmm, beer, beer, burps. beer burps. I think people like you know Billy Gibbons or uh, Brian May who use extremely light strings. We're talking eights or nines. Wow. Would disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, people like Stevie Ray Vaughan played 13s and everyone decided that they needed to. And, and typically on jazz guitars or acoustic instruments, you're going to get heavier strings. I, I, the Ernie Ball slinky thing came into vogue because in, with electric guitar, people wanted to start bending strings and it's real hard to bend those heavy strings. Sure. So lighter strings started coming around. I think Jimmy Page even was putting banjo strings on his guitar and however the story goes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Light strings to me, I'm first of all, always, I have kind of a heavy picking hand sometimes and I'm always afraid I'm going to break them. So that was part of it. I, I started breaking way less strings. Uh, and I also, I do, I do sweat, but I don't have tip or, uh, very acidic sweat. Some people do, or they'll, they'll play a guitar yeah. once and it'll just like destroy the strings. Oh. I'm kind of lucky in that. That isn't really the case. I use, if I'm sweating, I, I will usually at least wipe the strings down when I'm done, but not really. I'm not, I'm, I'm not particularly precious with that, but the coated strings other than the feel, which I really like, they just sound brighter longer and okay. on electric guitar, and, and acoustic guitar, I'm I don't really typically like dead sounding strings. I'm I'm one of those guys that really likes fresh, newer sounding strings. Yeah. Some people will, like I think on your Gibson, like you never want to change those strings. Whereas I yeah. like for me, there's nothing better than the sound of an acoustic guitar with fresh strings on it. So mm-hmm. that's just a preference. Oh, it's like thing. a brand new guitar at that point. Exactly. Know? And the art of like taking it off and like wiping it all down, maybe putting some oil in the fretboard. Yeah, you know? I put put lemon oil on the fretboard yeah. once a year. Yeah. Uh, on a, on acoustic, I use uh, Martin. 8020, which are phosphor bronze, which um, in acoustic guitars is a bit different. Typically, on electric guitars, bass guitars are usually some sort of nickel steel combination. Yeah, usually. Uh, mm-hmm. With acoustic guitars, you're still going to get like similar uh, cores, mm-hmm. but then they're what they call 8020 um, is actually brass. They call it bronze, but it's actually brass. Um, if you want like a warmer sound on acoustic guitar, Typically, you'll go with phosphor bronze like I use on yeah. my acoustic guitars. If you want like a, a richer, more kind of like mellow tone, um, you know, go with the, the copper strings. Okay. Yeah, there's also, um, I actually had bronze strings on my acoustic bass for a little while. 
oh, that sounded pretty nice. cool. Yeah, I actually ended up putting flat ones on that too because then it's like it actually has a really cool upright bass sound now to it. Dude, my first guitar, that weird old classical that I have over there that we talked about. Yeah. One of the first things I did, I decided it would be super cool if I put because it's a classical nylon string guitar, which yeah. we haven't really talked about nylon strings. We don't really need to. I don't think sure. people are really caring about that. But there is a third type. They've got the acoustic strings, which are like usually bronze or copper, that sort of thing. Electric, which are steel, chrome, right. and then classical which are nylon usually also there will be some other things wrapped around them but it's usually like they came from gut strings from literal guts of animals yeah. and then they started using nylon eventually <laughs> but the that nylon guitar that i had my first guitar one of the first things i did to it was buy a pack of electric guitar strings oh. and put it on there not even acoustic guitar steel yeah. strings electric guitar strings I bet that sounded cool um I, probably not <laughs> <laughs> i remember trying to uh my older neighbor across the street um, who I thought was very cool was into Nirvana and I remember like trying to learn some Nirvana riffs or something so I could like try to impress him with yeah. it but I probably couldn't I think I've them. got an acoustic at home that has like three electric strings on it just because I didn't have like the replacement or I didn't want to open like a new pack it's because it's like a shitty guitar well usually the like the unwound strings are going to be the same yeah across the two you know yeah, what I'm they saying were, they were the high the, the top three so I was kind of like oh okay um, do you have any when you're stringing up an instrument do you have any stringing tips that you are process i guess you, you probably don't restring all that often so it's not that much of a thing for yeah. you because you're into the longer life string yeah, kind of thing yeah actually though um when i was buying and selling guitars for a little while there um i actually um you know if, if i had like if they had a nice pair of flat ones on them in i would take those and put because I, I keep all my old strings especially for bass because you might as well like um you can throw them on at any time and they sound fine interesting you know? that is n something i've never done yep. with guitar yeah bass strings um i actually well i prefer a, more of a deader sound anyways but i've got a like whole, a grateful dead like phil yeah, lesh like, dude definitely phil lesh and that's another topic <laughs> episode. we'll talk about that bass he had oh my god um but no so i what i would do is like just you know i'll take those out and just i've got a, a bin literally at home full of like you know they're packaged but they're full of like full huh. sets of, of used uh didario uh nickel wounds actually nice round wounds um so yeah you can reuse those things so i was taking you know i would take some flats off one so a tip for like stringing i mean i i use the whole string actually i don't really clip them um sometimes like on a bass especially like a fender it depends on like the type of this yeah you know, the tuning machine but on a fender you can stick literally just stick it down in the hole from the top and just start rapping a lot and of people love that design I, lo I, I love it for on bass i don't really love it on guitar yeah no i i, I totally hear that and, and i think on guitar it's a little different because they give you i mean they give you a lot more slack I think, yeah you have guitar. to cut you have there's no um, way around you, it I, don't, I know on a standard fender or jazz bass you can get away with you know um your long long scale strings just putting them in wrap them around and you know someone once told me that they used the cool analogy because i was always like am i you know am i wrapping this too many times because i'd seen people who strung them like where it was only around like one or once or twice yeah and they said, think of a fist. And they go, is your fist stronger with all your fingers or is it stronger with just two of them, right? So when you're tuning, like, not to say that there's <sighs> I less. I don't know if I agree with that. See, I, I haven't had any issues. I've been doing it my I, whole on life. On bass, like I, think, I yeah. think that's important to keep in mind. On, on guitar, certainly you don't want to do that. Right. You want two to three wraps around the post at most because... Yeah it's a lot smaller things can move around you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna run into tuning issues if you yeah. string too many winds around that's one of my pet peeves when i see people when do I, that when i restrung my strat i you know i had to obviously like check it out because i i didn't really restring a lot of guitars mm -hmm. so i was like well how's this done you know what, what's the technique here um and i noticed that you it, you guys do it differently where you you know you you pinch off like where you want it to stop so it's got all that slack and then you wrap it and then you have those hangies you can clip those things right yeah you gotta clip that bad boy right, off right 
which by the well, way no, looks, I, I'm with, on, on a fender cool. style where you've got that slot i'm still sticking the string down in there you but can, i'm just yeah. clipping it off first uh-huh. yeah That's i i'm for. the only guitar i even no i don't anymore i was gonna say i have the bass the p bass that has that but guitar i that the jazz master had uh tuners like that and i hated them and i replaced them with locking i believe they're goto locking tuners but they're they so locking they tuner peg, clips right? down oh, so okay. like it it's the the tuning peg sort of screws apart you slide the string through you tighten it back down it just stays it's never right. going anywhere wonderful design but because it's on that uh they're designed to look like the uh, vintage style with the slot on the top so even though you're not using it it has that slot on there because that's what people want to like expect to see on a jazz master headstock or whatever yeah. so they're still locking but they kind of are in disguise and look like the the vintage style yeah my strats got the ones where they go through the peg yeah. so you have to pull all the slides exactly through, and then you and then you start yep. wrapping yeah like those are cool. Yeah. The one thing I would say, and this is almost kind of goofy, but I guess this goes back to being a gear hunk is that I, one of the, I feel like one of the best things I ever, cause I, I do restring a lot and I feel like one of the best things I ever did was buy Ernie ball made a, um, I guess it's, it's like a, it's like a mini drill, but it's specifically String just winder. designed to, to wind strings yeah. and it's powered and it, and it does kind of take a lot of batteries. If you've got rechargeable, it's not that big of a deal, but I found that having that even, consistent fast pressure when you're rewinding makes the when you're winding makes the tuning process so much faster and better it's it, like i never ever have stringer tuning issues ever mm-hmm. since i got that thing right. and you know i've got a few different techniques like i i'll usually when i'm to get the right length for the string i'll pull it through the peg at the nut i'll stick three fingers laying sideways underneath and that usually that amount of distance is the perfect amount so that i'll wrap the right around amount of times around the peg and it'll be perfect that's every a time. great tip yeah yeah just three fingers i don't i did not invent that i got that from some <laughs> other you know tech or whatever but yeah. it works really well and i do all my guitars that way some people and, and it kind of bothers me and I'll, I'll, I'll i notice a lot when i get new guitars and take other people's strings off people will run the string through the peg through the hole in the peg and then wrap it back around again through the peg and yeah. sort of like lock it in, which I, I used to do when I was a kid. Cause it seemed like, Oh, well this thing's going to slip. All that does yeah. is create more tuning issues and then make restring a nightmare. I got, I one. hate that. I got one for you then too. Um, and then you always string from keeping the pressure, you know, pushing down, onto down. the string, yes. right? That's a big one. Um, I've found, you know, I've seen many people, you know, who, I bought a guitar from or something and they've got it strung where the strings coming off the top. Yeah. You definitely don't want to do that. And yeah, you're getting, you're just, you're getting less tension on that nut. You're decreasing the breaking over over the nut. And that was designed with purpose. I think on a Les Paul, it's somewhere around 14 degrees. And, um, you definitely want that. That's why string trees exist. That's why string. Well, that because fender has the straight headstock headstock. There's no pitch to the headstock. So the longer the string is, you're going to decrease the break angle. So that's why they have the string trees and then it pulls it back down. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like that design and they've kind of changed it over the years. And sometimes there are two string trees. Sometimes there's only one. Um, I, I think the angled headstock design is better, but then at least on a Gibson guitar that kind of creates some inherent issues with the G string and the, and the, sometimes the D string things yeah. get a little wonky, but I like, I like having the break angle. I think that's part of the reason I like Gibson's. Gibson. Yeah. Yeah, it's good for sustain or something, right? You know what they say? I don't know. I'm not really sure. I it 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 just it creates a more well. First of all, you don't need the string tree, but also, uh, I think it, yeah, it's just a little more stability mm-hmm. at the at the break point. Speaking of break points, I feel like this might be a good break point for the episode. Yeah, break point for sure. Do you think? Do you think we did it? I think we did it, man. 